I'm Shane Kilkelly, and you're listening to General Intellect Unit. This time, we're finishing off our discussion of digital socialism by Evgeny Morozov. If you didn't catch the last episode, I'd recommend pausing this one, going back one, and starting from there. As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. But then, like, the emergence of um, computing technology, right, like digitization, makes the construction and the design of those markets even easier and even cheaper. So there's a co-evolution of these things, right, where um, computers enable this kind of neoliberal stuff to take over and the neoliberalism is using, you know, the, the, the computers. Um, and they, they just sort of, uh, yeah, they, they co-evolve, right, in this, in this kind of way. Um, and that this is this is our technocracy that we we despise, right? The 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 fusion of economist and engineer as this like market tinkerer. Um, it, it it's 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 a dialectical synthesis of the Austrian position and the neoclassical socialist position. In in the in the debate between these two positions, we ended up with this pile of shit that we live today, <laughs> right? Yeah. The, uh, the, the the thing that is presently um, accelerating us towards fucking complete collapse and uh, is, um, yeah, Jesus, like, oh boy. Because <laughs> I, I want to emphasize that it, it is a dialectical synthesis, but it's a synthesis between two positions that are really reprehensible. <laughs> yes. So it's like they're both bad. Yeah. It's not like they took the worst parts of both. It's just they were both bad in the first place, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's it's like, okay, okay, yeah, uh-huh. Um, so, um, uh, so this is a lot. Uh, I think we're over the hump, though, with with the, the sort of trickiest material in this, in this essay. There's some really meaty stuff in the middle of this thing. Um, yeah, it's challenging for sure. Um, and, and yeah, so we're going to get into a little bit in this next section here about why the sort of Austrian side of things would be interested in moving towards the neoliberal or sorry, the, uh, the, 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 the socialist, the, the neoclassical socialist side of things. Like why did this convergence happen from both ends? Yeah. Um, so that's, that brings us to the section on market modalities, law and competition. So this is an interesting one, right? That like this this kind of market design project, this market design ethos, kind of gives you two different ways to um, reinforce and underwrite transactions to to make the market better. Um, the example that Marozov uses here is the example of like what to do with bad merchants, right? Like um, how to make their reputation known, and you can go down to one of two routes. Um, you can go down the legal route. Which you know, strengthening contract law and this sort of stuff, or just like just yeah, use 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 legality to deal deal with that, um, which would you know strengthen the rights of buyers and set in set in stone these kind of explicit rules for handling the situation. The other way to do it is this like informational or feedback route, uh, such as you know allowing customers to rate and rank merchants, um, which we're all familiar with now, right? You got your fucking Yelp and your Uber and all this kind of stuff, right? That like um, those are the ways of bringing. The, the reputation of the merchant to the to the surface, right? Like, and that's that's your sort of market engineering uh, at work there in two different ways. Um, this this latter one, though, the feedback uh, route or the informational route, um, it's very it's very atomizing, right? Like, it's extremely neolib ideology of like super atomized uh, particles in a vacuum that never actually interact with each other. Um, it's it also kind of puts you under the thrall of these implicit rules, right? Like the the Im- the implicit rules of Uber's platform or of of 
like even beyond Uber's platform, the implicit rules of market dynamics and of capitalist competition then rule the day. And both the producers and the consumers are disciplined by that process. Um, the informational feedback kind of works on both sides. So you get this kind of um, loss of, you kind of lose your rights to this thing. Um, in general, like the, the tendency has been to, um, along this like law versus market axis, uh, the law tends to lose ground to the market logic in, in the neoliberal era. Um, that prices and law, very abstractly, are replaced with information and feedback. Um, and, and the the example I've been alluding to is like taxis versus Uber, right? Like that the the taxis are that very kind of um, older sort of law based kind of establishment. Like the the prices are set by legislation, more or less. You know, um, whole bunch of stuff to do with that is set by legislation. But then Uber is self regulated just by by markets, right? Like by by the market dynamics of being a kind of market platform. Right. And, and we, we talked a little bit in the platform capitalism episode about how this, these are like the quote unquote lean platforms, right? Like they, they, the actual staff of Uber is very small compared to the um, staff required to in, enforce um, taxi regulation in every country around the world. Right. Um, and, and, and this comes together to sort of fundamentally lead to a different sort of sociality, right? That like, so for example, you know, um, I was, uh, I was, uh, I took an Uber to work the other day, uh, because, um, I was late for work cause I was, I was overworked this week. Um, I slept in and, uh, got into this this van um it it smelled of vomit very strongly <laughs> the seats were the seats were moist Oof. and like that stuff is like okay it's early morning like maybe you've had a rough night mm -hmm. like i understand like i have i have some baseline sense of solidarity with the driver as as a worker right like i understand like okay you know there's mitigating circumstances that kind of thing um, but above that, I had the problem where, um, the passenger door in the back of this van would jam shut when you closed it. So if there was any kind of accident or something, I would have died because I could not escape the vehicle. Now you're stuck right? in the like piss van forever. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to be like, Hey buddy, can you, can you open the windows a bit? It's, it's. <laughs> It's a little rough in here. Uh, uh, so, but yeah, it was it was not only the vomit van; it was also a death trap, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, I, you know, normally I'm not the sort of person to scold other people on these kinds of uh, uh, platforms, right? Because I, I realize how this works to the advantage of the platform holder. Right, I, I'm doing the managerial work of discipline on another worker. Mm -hmm. You're doing the guard um, labor, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this was also like it was kind a of lethal, right? Yeah. Situation, <laughs> yeah. right? And the only way I can interact with the platform is constrained by Uber. So it produces a kind of uh, subjective disposition um, and, and a choice structure to me 
Um, that is, is over time, it tends to lead to less solidaristic and more atomized um, ways of thinking and behaving. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And yes, I mean, we, we sort of achieve a kind of optimality, a kind of optimality at the cost of rights and solidarity and just, you know, basic law stuff. Um, things like, I mean, you know, taxis, uh, at, at least over here, had the kind of uh, thing of like they're kind of forbidden from refusing um, a a fare if it's in a shitty neighborhood or whatever, whereas Uber is saying, oh, what will the market do to you? Um, that kind of stuff about like the, the door needs to be operational, you know, really basic stuff like that. Um, and, you know, th that's traded away in exchange for a kind of optimality. But the, 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 the thing that kind of has always bothered me about this stuff is that the the one the, the the underlying assumption i mean as as we discussed with the the theology of these fucking freaks is that like the market will discover preferences it'll discover information and it'll, it'll reveal information it'll it'll kind of reveal a plan for society but there's a kind of assumption there that it's the plan you want or that like it's you it's your preference that it discovers whereas i mean you could go down the sort of landian path of like it 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 discovers its preference at your expense, <laughs> you know, an, an optimality is, is perhaps achieved or a preference is discovered, but who the fuck knows what that relation, what that optimality or preference is, how that's related to you, right? Like it probably isn't optimal for you. It might not be your preference, but something emerged. So, you know, gotta fucking bow down before the market AI God, right? You know? Um, right. And it's still, it's it like, I mean, it's even, it's even still questionable whether it actually, I mean, it, there, there's literally nothing in this world that is optimal in the neoclassical sense, but, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's like, we talked in platform capitalism about how these lean platforms are probably, not viable mm -hmm. in the long term at all. Oh, when the Saudi oil um, runs out, yeah, they'll be fucking dead. Yeah, or like, you know, uh, for example, like that, that example I just gave, right? Um, the, the, uh, the rolling stock of the Uber fleet degenerates because the workers are so underpaid um, to the point that people stop using Uber because, like me, they don't want to die on their <laughs> taxi ride, right? Yeah, like totally. it, 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 it's uh, it, it's it's basically this kind of like death drive that the 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 the, the company has, right? <laughs> to just screw everyone to the maximum possible uh -huh. extent, except for the tiny tiny owner class of, of Uber. So. And, you know, like, you could argue the same things at work in our society at large. Like, what is it optimizing for, right? That's the that's the question you were at with, with land there, right? The sort of landian point where just, it has nothing to do with people at all. It's just, it's just, it's just the death drive. It's just the end of, end of human civilization. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's whatever the process wants. And it's just, it, it, it does its thing and we're, we're fucking uh, sock puppets to it. Um, but yeah, so th this brings us right back into the realm of the political, right? Like, I mean, who, who, who's deciding between these methods, um, who gets to control, like who controls the technical code. Um, at this point in the essay, there's a really interesting sort of, um, 
uh, opposition developing. I, I, I would phrase it as kind of Leviathan versus cybernetics, right? Like that kind of the law versus the informational feedback systems, which uh, I was I was kind of sweating. I was like, Jesus, oh, oh boy, like are, are we gonna are we gonna have to fucking change tack here or something? But no, this is resolved wonderfully <laughs> in, um, in part three um, modes of social coordination. So now we're focusing on feedback infrastructure. Right. This is this is clearly a thing. Um, I mean, as as we're fond of discussing with cybernetics, this is definitely definitely a thing. Right. Uh, the design of feedback infrastructure, but who gets to own it? You know, who controls the technical code? There's a little bit of a section then about um, the neoliberal conceptions of feedback, and then we're going to get on to feedback infrastructure for the left. So for for the neolibs, um, the, the the operation of this feedback infrastructure serves more or less two two purposes. Um, firstly, to fix problems that clog up markets, like that's your, that's your market design stuff, but also to prevent unwanted non-market solutions from emerging. Like we have to keep in mind there is an ideological project there which not only constructs markets but forbids non-markets from from ever being social solutions. Um, mm-hmm. um, and and that that's part of the synthesis, right? As the neoclassical socialists go further down this route of, route of uh, market engineering, they lose all interest in anything other than markets. And the uh, Austrian side of this, uh, they sort of win out in terms of uh, the primacy of markets and getting this information idea out there. Uh, but they're forced to compromise with the neoclassical socialists, these kind of constructivists, um, given the fact that uh, hardcore market fundamentalist restructuring programs um, lead to social chaos, not the actual outcome that Austrians imagined would happen uh, based on their sort of theological conception of, of the way markets work. Right, yeah. Um, like, I mean, d- dismantling non-market forms of coordination, like, it, it demands fun- a functional alternative, but just sitting there staring at a pile of rubble, hopefully hoping that it will spontaneously organize itself, doesn't fucking work. So res- resentment builds. So the, the political project... That political project is impossible, right? Like, so you, you need to then bring bring yourself into this weird split brain kind of um, personality disorder where it's like, oh, we believe in this spontaneous order that'll just like it's it's the work of God in in the material world, but also we must intervene on its behalf mm-hmm. to to help it along or to even like, I mean, at this point in history, it's it's not even just helping it along. I think it's it's like holding the thing together with bailing twine and, and duct tape, right? That, yeah. like, it is, it, it is it is in fact falling apart, and you've just got these fucking goons, like, just wrapping it up in sellotape to just try desperately to keep it from falling apart. Because, like, I mean, we could, we could go back to our sort of stuff about about cybernetics, right? But, like, spontaneous self-order or whatever is it's often a stochastic kind of process, and it doesn't create the things you want very often. Um, it You often need to intervene to design for it and stuff, but then... If you're if you're in this camp, you're then doing the opposite of what you say you're doing. It's like, oh, the market decides, but I decide. I decide what the market decides. I decide what I decide. The market decides. I decide. And all this kind of shit. And it's like it's an incoherent fucking bullshit program. Um, 
this is a wonderful scathing takedown as it's written in the in the piece. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. But I think it, it, it has to also serve as a stark warning for left spontaneists as well, right? Like, um, similar to what our colleagues at the Emancipation Network have been covering on From Alpha to Omega, they've been reading Revolutionary Strategy by Mike McNair. And a, a pretty big part of that is this, like, massive critique of the sort of left of the left, um, spontaneous, uh, I guess, anarchist sort of tradition of, oh, we'll, we'll just burn shit down and hope for the best. Or we'll, we'll, we'll party in the streets and a spontaneous, beautiful new order will emerge. It's like, you're fucking kidding yourselves. You, you need to actually pose real alternatives to if you're you know if you're if you're going to destroy something you have to build something else in parallel um that applies to left spontaneous it definitely applies to neoliberals um and i wonder if there's much dis- distance between the two at this point um you get a lot of weird like horseshoe bending kind of stuff with that for sure um there like there are places where you know uh you have people who are like autonomous they're not neoliberals but they may sort of go along with neoliberal things because they sort of have a spontaneist uh orientation and the the other the other thing that really comes up in that that revolutionary strategy series which uh you can also find me guesting on sometimes um uh is uh the critique of the mass strike um right uh so the view that the mass strike um, will just somehow produce socialism, right? Like, we're going to shut the whole thing down, and they'll see that we as workers have all the power. And mm, maybe not. Maybe people start running out of food. Mm-hmm. Maybe nothing start like, things stop working completely. So the the next argument there would be, Ah, but we'll have the mass strike, and when the workers see that they have an opportunity to work together and build society independently from the capitalists because they're no longer constrained by them, then socialism will spontaneously emerge. And it's like, mm, you kind of have to uh, take a not. yeah. I mean, you you have like it immediately reposes the problem of social coordination at scale, which is which is the thing that the anarchists are fucking petrified of. And I, I know that from experience, having been an anarchist and in those kind of organizations, that like, I don't know, because I mean, if you do that, like, it's just gonna be like, oh, we're all starving. There's no electricity. All the hospitals are shut down. Like, my kid is ill. Let's kill these fucking anarchists and get back to get back to something functional. You know, like, this is this isn't gonna work, you know? Yeah, and and, you know, maybe we don't need to trick the working class into creating socialism. Yeah, that's what it is, right? It's a trick. It's like um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a way of short circuiting yeah. the process because like it's it's a long, dreary road to building like a different way of coordinating society. And um yeah, it, it's this and it, it it rhymes as well with what the neoliberals want. It's a, it's just the one weird trick that's just gonna fucking fix it all, right? Like it's um you just you do the, do this one thing and it'll short circuit the process and it won't you know um, but anyway I think that's that's our that's our portion of punching left for the episode um, but <laughs> um, we do get on to something quite positive then towards the end of the essay um, feedback infrastructure and the left um, uh, Morozov here is saying that like we can't, we can't as leftists we can't just dismiss the feedback infrastructure as digital Hayekianism. Uh, we can't do the thing that some people do where they're they're just mistrustful of quantification in general. Like oh, 
the very fact that we have numbers is an original sin. We need to go back to a pre-symbolic mode of thinking to uh, to really have true <laughs> socialism. Get that out of fucking here. That is no bullshit. Um, <laughs> That's when you get to the true, true primy, mm, yeah. true primy ideology, right? Like, you know, back in the day, people communicated telepathically. They didn't have symbols. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, <laughs> I find that stuff incredible. It's like the, the sub-Kaczynski-ice fucking primitivism of like, you know, like Kaczynski was a real fucking se- the Unabomber was a real sellout because he used words and symbolic thought to yeah, convey his right. uh, <laughs> god damn um, you get a lot of that shit from fucking anarchists though the the, the, the anarchist to like fucking primmy Unabomber shit pipeline is weirdly wide very worrying anyway uh, but <laughs> we, we can't resist right we just have to fucking get it in there um, <laughs> so like we, we can't coordinate a complex society without some quantification we but we also shouldn't be we shouldn't uncritically defend the old law like we shouldn't just kind of pile on with leviathan because it happens to be the thing that's opposed in spirit to the the sort of acid bath of neoliberalism um we also get like this example of like the kind of dark potentiality of this stuff, like um, the example being China and its uh, current like fucking social credit system or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the problem with both of these solutions is that they take us back to the state, right? Um, so, so it's um, it's definitely not where we want to go, and it, I feel like that's that's generally the sort of direction you get out of like. Um, nostalgic social democrats right this this defend the old law perspective um like go back to a regulated uh, a state regulated uh society um yeah uh and uh that's i don't, I don't think that's really where we want to be going because guess what folks that's up too <laughs> that's the stuff that beer was critiquing yeah. back in the 70s right <laughs> right like, that, but also that that also ties in with the kind of dark beer ties in with the dark potentiality bit and that like in designing freedom beer points out the need to engage in the design of this kind of infrastructure precisely because it is dangerous that like when you're handling the sharp scissors you need to pay fucking attention to what you're doing and really think about what you're going to do with that um yeah and there's there's just a litany of examples of how just like this reckless cowboy capitalism approach to um the social media management platform design has created really horrific social outcomes and like yeah i mean you look at yeah just uh, there's a lot of it out there. Yep. Um, We're all familiar. So, it, yeah. Yep. It, so, yeah, it's very much the running with scissors problem, mm-hmm. right? Uh, move fast, break things. Get, uh, get your fucking move fast gut. with scissors. Like, kind of. move, move fast, stab things, yeah. you know? That's, that's, the, that's the running with scissors version of that dictum. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But Morozov then kind of brings us through three other possibilities um, that would not simply be uh, more of the same or a retreat to the the old Leviathan. Um, These three new possibilities are kind of, uh, the way he says it is, solidarity as discovery procedure, designing non-markets, and automated planning. These are really interesting sections. Um, The solidarity as discovery procedure is a pretty straightforward concept. It's that, like, for Hayek, competition... Uh, especially in later Hayek, competition is a kind of heuristic process for discovery. It's a distributed process that 
finds preferences in the world. Um, but of course, there are other non-competition heuristics that you could use, and crucially, not central planning either. Like this, would, this would be different from both of those. Right, and it, it doesn't just find preferences; it also generates preferences. Mm, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's 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 generative as well as uh, as uh, um, analytical. Yeah. Um, so um, that's that's. Uh, true right like we can definitely see that like you have you know hot new market trends that come up and 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 it becomes you know people's preference and all that sort of thing uh but contra hayek right we could say what if we could have uh a heuristic process for discovery and generation that was not market-based yeah, totally. Right. The uh, the the examples here are a little a little thin. Uh, it's it's a bit kind of high level, but like um, if, if you can imagine a sort of process centered on social life and problem solving, uh, using digital infrastructure to flag up social problems and facilitate deliberation, facilitate mass democracy around figuring things out, and matching problem finders to problem solvers. Um, one of these sort of concrete examples, or the, the sort of hints of an example uh, that's called out here, is hackathons. Um, which are a thing where often it's NGOs of some kind that are organizing a little kind of get-together with um, pizza and beer and a room full of computers to get uh, hackers to just kind of thrash out ideas for solving, uh, oh, I don't fucking know, like ambulances in Kazakhstan or whatever, um, how to make them more efficient. It's, yeah, I mean, it's compelling, right? But the, the core argument is that, like, look, competition is not the only heuristic for uh, for discovery in society, and nor is central planning, Um they do not; those two positions do not exhaust the, um, the 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 whole landscape of different ways that you could coordinate and uh, discover preferences, things, information in society. Um, right, and so what is envisioned here is like a much broader scale process, and one where uh, you know maybe problem finders and problem solvers are well off enough materially to do this in a way that isn't just about like sort of time charity or labor charity, right? Like, because the hackathons, they have sort of a portfolio building aspect to them, but they also have a kind of charitable aspect to them. And they feel very like peripheral to production um, in a way that doesn't sort of suggest a new social form immediately. So you have to you have to use your imagination a little bit to imagine this as more of a kind of everyday sort of behavior than a than a once a year or twice a year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, the the next sort of proposal is for designing non markets. Um, this gets really interesting, right? Because um, obviously, like you know, complexity. Complex systems, society is complex, all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> markets have worked pretty well at actually scaling up to gigantic, like world-spanning scales. And there's this problem of how to scale non-markets um, that requires careful design. It requires us to, like, you know, uh, yeah, as I said, careful design. You need to think about it. And our old boy Stafford Beer comes back in with cybernetics. Right? This is kind of the science of how you design these things, how you design solutions to complex problems. Um, so yeah, I was I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled to see uh, see Beer show up here. See him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, like it was it was nice to see that like it wasn't just us counterposing mm, Hayek to Beer. Yeah, Borisov has also been doing the same thing. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah, as you said, very reassuring um, to kind of know that you're not entirely alone in this in this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's this is a pretty short section that's kind of a whistle-stop tour of, like, you know, beer, Cybersyn, um, very broad strokes of, like, viable system model, and particularly honing in on recur- recursivity. Um, as beer's solution being different from Hayek's, Right, so the, the solution to the problems of complexity. So that, like, for, for Hayek, yeah, it was like a kind of a lost cause to try and design for these things. Um, but for beer, it's very much the opposite. He's like, no, with, with clever engineering and a little bit of science, you can actually get really far with this stuff. And social life is already uh, replete with examples of consciously, deliberately constructed um, systems which handle complexity. So, you know, institutions, firms, uh, traffic systems, and on and on and on. All the stuff you get in in beers, uh, beers works right. This, this, this is kind of wonderful, right? Because like for for Hayek, there's a single spontaneous order, which is the market, capital T, capital M, the market. Um, but for beer, spontaneous orders or viable systems are nested recursively, so that they're they're structured, but they are quite spontaneous. There's a lot of autonomy involved in in the viable system model. Um, and this is quite a difference, right? Because for beer, the recursive nesting of spontaneous orders allows the nested set of systems to kind of tile the plane in a way, right? That they can fit the environment at each level and um, achieve in aggregate a kind of total blanketing of the problem space, um, which is a huge difference, right? Um, it's, you know, it, it's... Um, in terms of like beer, like beer cybernetics, like um, the thing that Hayek proposes is kind of on its face laughable, because the proposal is that there's there will be a single governing principle that would be the one and only coordinator for the entire society, and for beer that would never pass muster. It's like it doesn't have requisite variety. It does. It, it is like you can kind of prove it on paper that it wouldn't be capable of responding to every problem. Um, it's it's kind of overly broad. And its its imposition is overly authoritarian. Yeah, um, and I think the the crucial point here is, of course, Hayek recognized that um, there are a lot of different institutions and norms that facilitate the existence of a market society, right? So it's it's not just the pure principle of of market exchange, um, but what especially in this kind of market fundamentalist um, inspired like restructuring of society we see is um, a attenuation of variety from the top down in order to make things conform with that regulative principle of the market, right? Um, So it's in a way it is... um, it, it, it's specifically neoliberal in the sense in which it is trying to impose a particular view of the norms that used to exist and which people like Hayek defended. So um, it's, it's that kind of active, aggressive conservatism that is imposing um, variety attenuation on society um, in order to somehow desperately try to create the spontaneous order that they glorify mm-hmm. and yeah i mean for for beer that's just a recipe for disaster like it's a it's a recipe for instability 
it like yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't actually have requisite variety to achieve the ends that it wants, and so it's kind of destined to to this death spiral. Like the um, it's yeah, it, it it it'll just spiral onwards, and you know the the system will constantly try to reinforce itself and fail at each step, and yeah, it'll it'll all spiral out of control, which is what we're experiencing. Yay, amazing, you know. It is what we're experiencing, and also again, we can go back to that example of Sears, right? What happened with Sears when you tried to just impose this one invariant model on the management of an enormous company and just death spiral, right? Um, yeah. And and like a crucial difference there is that the, the, the difference between a sort of um, single level uh, kind of ontology versus beer is a recursive thing. The correct way of designing... Uh, variety engineering, like amplifiers and attenuators and all these kind of systems, the correct way of designing those at each level of the system is an open question for beer. It's not settled. Um, and so there's, there's an open exploratory kind of framework for generating solutions to social problems at multiple scales, which is a vastly richer model and than, than Hayek's, right? Like the, the Hayek's with like, there's, 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 a, there's a sort of... Um, there's a divine singularity to it all, and it applies at a single level. There's one blanket sort of thing. Well, it, 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 it's it's like it talks about variety, but it doesn't have a way of um, actively characterizing, analyzing, and diagnosing variety, right? Because it, it's it's a it's a gloss of how society functions, rather than looking at the individual parts. Wait, or, or sorry, like uh, uh, the individual stages of recursion, uh, because like that that makes a lot of sense given the, the the place that Hayek was coming from, which was this anti-constructivism, right? That like if you are not interested in going out and engineering solutions, then you're not really interested in developing an analytic framework for doing that, right? You're much more interested in just sort of giving a general characterization of society because. You don't want it to change, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, great section. Uh, really wonderful stuff. Um, the the final, well, basically the final section then is on decentralized planning, um, which kind of brings us back to People's Republic of Walmart uh, land. Um, yeah, I mean, we could have used big data on the consumption side uh, to plan. We could use automated production. Uh, both of these potentialities are currently arrested by capitalist relations, um, but there is great potential to 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 free them uh, from those relations and have a, a it rhymes again with with what beer was suggesting right or what beer started to implement in Chile with cybersyn um, this like decentralized planning apparatus that would um, figure things out without too much central coordination without without central authority and without it simply being a fucking a nightmarish mess of uh, of prices sloshing over each other. The uh, it, it, we 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 get introduced to this this other author, uh, Daniel Saros, um, a book, Information Technology and Socialist Construction, in which uh, Saros outlines this what seems like a very compelling uh, model for um, a decentralized planned economy. There's a couple a couple of things here that are really interesting, like uh, the notion that you would have like a central catalog uh, or a general catalog, I think it's called of. Um, of all goods that can be produced. 
And at the beginning of each production period, consumers register their preferences, like their requests and ranked preferences for goods. Producers register their needs for inputs and so on, and then they go do their thing um, for that production cycle, and you just go around in the loop. Yeah, so the, um, the crucial difference there from some other similar schemes is that uh, although you do create a ranked list of uh, commodity preferences at the beginning or item preferences at the beginning of uh, the production period, um, you do have the opportunity to change your mind and buy sort of eventualities, right? Um, so those are those are priced higher um, in terms of sort of the unit of account uh, that is that is used uh, for the planning system, uh, but you have the opportunity to do that. So you don't have to like plan everything up front like okay for the next month i'm gonna need this much toilet paper uh these many chicken breasts blah 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 right like plan every little thing and then once you're locked into that system you're screwed and the only way that you can redistribute or figure out what you need is to barter with your neighbors right like that seems like kind of a nightmare scenario but this this one would allow you to actually uh, change things up in the middle of the production period, it would just cost you a bit more to do so. So that seems like a relatively attractive solution mm-hmm. to that problem. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, Marozov mentions that uh, there's kind of bits about like how shortages could be so socialized and surpluses could just be eliminated, basically that avoided that like you would have uh, kind of fairly fairly close to perfect planning of, um, of exactly what's needed. Um, and this could all be tied into whatever like labor tokens or UBI or whatever the fuck it is that um, is the unit of account. Um, At this point, like price is basically a technology that's used in a non-capitalist distributed planning system so that there there would be. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the way that Kantorovich uses it, right? There's a specific term that is used, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Is it shadow Um, prices? Which yeah, I think that's one of them. I think there's another one as well that you could use, but it, it, it it's like it has all the characteristics of price, except it isn't actually something generated by exchange, right? Um, so it, it's it's um, I don't know. We I think we talked about this a little bit in the Red Plenty episode, but uh, we could we could maybe go back to this if we ever cover uh, information technology and socialist construction. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I mean that this, mm-hmm. this this stuff is very clearly not price really. It's kind of like it's it's a it's a number that's attached to things, but like oh boy, it, it doesn't resemble anything we know really. Um, I call it a score. Who the fuck cares? You know, it's it's um whatever. Yeah, there's there's definitely uh, systems that exist in the world today that use this kind of price. Um, you know, but uh, I, I again, it's like I feel like I, we could maybe do an episode on this subject, or we could we could cover cover some kind of related topic, uh, just just to sort of clarify that. Because I I actually had a conversation with Paul Cockshot about this uh, some time ago, uh, just to clarify what exactly this thing was, and and uh, it's worth thinking about because uh, there there are a lot of people who will say, oh no, those are just prices. 
but like it's like no actually they're they're not right because you're, you're thinking of numbers <laughs> that's what those yeah, are yeah they are they originate from a a fundamentally different sort of social process than than the prices we're familiar with are uh, do yeah maybe we should, we should just read that book information technology and socialist construction uh, we could probably get our hands on that well we gotta we gotta take a look at how big it is first uh, <laughs> yeah it's like definitely. you know this ut- two thousand page utopian socialist tome um, who knows I mean it, yeah it's 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 definitely at the the top of my list in terms of interest for sure though. Because um, it, you know, it, it's kind of one of these books that are out there that are a little bit of like an alternative to uh, Cockshot and Cottrell's book, right? Right. Um, well, I mean, if if it was if <laughs> there, 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 if it was a bit less turfy, that would be an instant fucking win, anyway. Oh, definitely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We'll yeah. look into it, listeners. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, that w- that could be a cool episode. Um, but anyway, like so, one of the last remarks in that section is that like a, a kind of a shadow of this does exist in Amazon, basically. Like to tie back to that People's Republic of Walmart thing. Um, eh, you know, I mean, like Amazon and its gigantic general catalog does influence production, right? Like, and there's that kind of just-in-time production and delivery aspect to it. Like predictive delivery, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's getting it's, there, right? Like it's really getting there. You know, like yeah, like there's. I mean, again, People's Republic of Walmart makes a pretty good case for the fact that Amazon is a planned economy and not a market economy. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. Um, and then the final section is uh, called "Socialize the Means of Feedback Production," um, which is kind of right up our alley. Like and all of these, all of these projects that have been outlined here hint at a way of taming the complexity of the world without competition and markets. Um, we can't really realize that potential though, on if the feedback infrastructure remains in private hands. Um, so, I mean, this is starting to sound like kind of the end of most of our episodes, right? Like it's um, we need to need to fucking need to, <laughs> need to socialize this the, this shit pretty fast. Um, one thing that's really interesting here is that Marozov is kind of pointing us in the direction of like not wasting our time debating the merits and the ins and outs of price without thinking about its embeddedness in the wider capitalist system. So we're being invited to think more about the capitalist system overall as a network of competition, as a ratchet of accumulation, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it kind of like what we hinted at just previously with the whole, oh, you know, people will object of like, those numbers are just prices. It's kind of not the point, right? Let's just leave that shit aside. Like, we, we're probably focusing on the wrong level of granularity. Um, not that there is no value at all to going bug collecting on the kind of like ins and outs of the minutia of, of, of economics and stuff, but like it's a system we need to deal with it systematically um, at a high level. Right. And I think another thing here is that uh, Morozov identifies the problems with defending central planning, right? Uh, where it's like what we're advocating for could maybe be described as central planning but it might not be a valuable way to talk about it because as we sort of um, have seen in talking about beer uh, and designing freedom, that centralization versus decentralization dichotomy isn't a very useful one once you actually get into like a more cybernetic understanding of this stuff and like thinking about how to use the VSM, that kind of stuff. Like it is... um, it is certainly not a planning system that would resemble Gauss plan in any meaningful way, 
right? Or even the uh, central planning mechanisms that uh, uh, the neoclassical socialists like Longo came up with uh, in the early or sorry, uh, mid 20th century. Um, yeah. I mean, that kind of loops back around to pretty much the very beginning of this series, right? This show that like we are, as Marzov puts it here, we are still living in the ideological shadow of the 20th century and particularly the Cold War, right? Like, and uh, the, the, the neoliberals are still, or the whatever the fuck this system is now, uh, is still just digging the same old hole as ever. And it's kind of, it's very upsetting to me that like socialists and communists when they when they're fired up to go and you know change the world they immediately go back to fucking stalinism as like oh we should just do gas plan again it's like you fucking dollar it's like how how could this not have sunk in by now like come on right <laughs> god damn it people it just doesn't work yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh totally so we need some imagination yeah uh, um, so again i'm just really uh impressed with this essay um you know, you look at Morozov's uh, biography, and like he, he's got this very like centrist lib background uh, in terms of like the positions he's held. Like he's been on the TED circuit, you know. He's been at all these these boring ass think tanks. Uh, he's written for the New Yorker. Like it, it, you know, it's it's real like lukewarm stuff. Uh, but, you know, he always had this, like, really intelligent critique of the stuff he was talking about. And um, and it, it's really interesting to see him go in this in this socialist direction um, and saying, like, socialize the means of feedback production, the direction that certainly seems quite Marxist to me, although it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't have anything to say about labor theory of value, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it seems pretty Marxist to me. Um uh, and, uh, and, and, and quite, uh, quite valuable, quite innovative, innovative. Um, I guess the only thing that really came up, uh, that we didn't mention was, um, he talks about the, uh, Soros book and, uh, how, um, there's no sort of constraint on consumption. So people can just kind of consume as much as they want. And, and like that might come into conflict with eco-socialism. Um, and I guess for me, that's kind of like, uh, really like a question of, uh, your, uh, system five kind of considerations, yeah, right? Yeah. If you think about this in a VSM sort mm -hmm. of way, uh, like you need to, you need to adjust that perspective because as it stands, there is a way in which that sort of rhymes with the, oh, we're past capitalism but uh, it's still just consumerism um, that we saw with uh, uh, Mayor Schoenberger, right? Um, so, you know, maybe we, if we look at that um, book, I would be interested to sort of see like, okay, well, where could you do the system five adjustments to create a different kind of like regulative principle for this, for this approach? Yeah, because that's, that's the very highest level of even what sort of beer is concerned with, like how to how to do mass social organization in a way that it does reflect the preferences of the populace and allows the populace to steer itself in policy directions that like, um, yeah, cl closing the loop between like um, production consumption and those sort of general policies of like, oh, you know, we, we as a mass society decide that we're 
we're, we're, we're sick of this ecological collapse shit and we, we'd really rather not, not get eliminated by it. That's definitely, yeah, it would be really cool to see if that's in there as, um, as a thing. Because, yeah, cause it, it, as you said, it's, it's a big danger of just, like, imagining every one of these futures as a continuation slash augmentation of the present, as in, like, lifestyles don't change at all. Um, there's, as in, like, consumption patterns are the same. It's just, like, it's, it's magicked away. That's a thing I've, I found very, uh, very disappointing about a lot of contemporary discourse in the left around these sorts of things. And I think it, it, it sort of reaches its kind of apex in the kind of fully automated luxury communism sort of stuff where it's like, uh, I don't know. With with the ecological mess we're in, I don't think there's any possibility that our lifestyles aren't going to change. I think that's the way I'll put it, is that I think that like if we're imagining a future where the mode of production is different and our social relations are different, but it's our minute-to-minute -minute lives are exactly the same, I think that's probably horseshit, and we should yeah. probably interrogate why we believe that would... Or why we don't question why that would be not be the case, you know? Um, right. There's a there's a way of thinking about um, adaptation. You know, Greenland is melting. Um, it's melted. It's fucking apparently, gone. <laughs> apparently, apparently, this was supposed to happen in 2070, but uh, it looks like we're about uh, 50 years early on that schedule. You know, adaptation is a real concern. Uh, it's an immediate concern, and um, we have to do adaptation without being Malthusians. And we also have to do this kind of utopian exploratory work uh, without bracketing out reality, right? Because we come from this heritage of the 19th century that viewed human economic development exclusive of the environment and that that's real that's a really 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 heavy bias in economics it's, it is in our society in general but especially in economics um it's 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 uh so you know yeah there's 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 obviously ecological economics and all that kind of stuff but it doesn't it's it's that we need to go further with this stuff right and so you know this kind of uh i i'm not sure exactly when the sorrows book came out uh, let's see, 2014. Yeah, so it's quite late. Yeah, so yeah, so this 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 Saros book has come out quite recently. Um, but you know, similar to the Cockshot book, um, it it seems to to not grapple with this question seriously, and uh, we really need to do work on that. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, these are future discussions to have, but uh, I think that this essay, uh, Digital Socialism definitely uh, is thought-provoking. And um, I, I would say like the call to action is certainly, you know, think through this stuff outside the context of just production and distribution, but also um, this kind of uh, designing non-market stuff. Like there, there are people out there doing this kind of thing. Like I think about like Lumio, right? Like that's, that's the kind of thing they do. Um, but yeah, we, we could use more of that, right? Um, we could use more of that out there uh, because I think the perspective that comes out of what Morozov is saying is that it's not a monolithic answer. That's not what we're aiming towards. We're aiming towards something that deals with variety 
And so there can be a number of components to it. Um, so it is worth experimenting with today um, in you know, whatever way we can. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really, really important, right? That like there's, there's a gigantic problem, right? That the, the, the variety of the problem is enormous and that we do have seemingly at our fingertips a, a kind of tantalizing catalog of possible partial solutions or st- stuff that's at least worth investigating further to see if there's uh, resonance between them, like, for instance, between beer and uh, Saros. You know, there probably is. It, I, I would be... My guess would be you could probably bring a Beerian analysis to that and be like, oh, these these totally fit together. There's, I, I, I kind of I kind of want to caution again. I think well, so the way I'll put it is that this this essay helps us to get in the direction of not seeking silver bullets, right? That we're not we're not going to find a singular silver bullet solution. We're not going to find one book. Uh, you know, go down to a fucking radical bookstore and like. Birmingham or something and be like oh look at this book gives us the the one the one trick to figuring it all out um because that fucking pattern of thought has led us to this fucking disaster right like and and has and in the left has caused us to fuck up over and over again um the 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 pattern of thought of seeking silver bullet solutions seeking totalizing solutions right like um like uh, I, I don't know if we've we've heard this feedback specifically, but I can totally imagine like a straw man in, in my head giving me this feedback uh, with the beer stuff of like, oh, but that's 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 not everything, you know. It's not gonna it's not gonna solve every fucking problem. It's like it doesn't need to, you know. It, 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 it this this will probably be a jigsaw of various overlapping systems that. I mean, because like that's what uh, Morozov is asking us to focus on is systems, right? Like the the capitalist system as a as a interlocking process of competition and markets and all sorts of crazy bullshit, and to think about constructing our own uh, equally psychotic um, systematic uh, uh, solution to the um, the problem of organizing society, right? Yeah, um, really good stuff. Um, is there anything else we need to cover? Do you think? I don't think so. I think we've we've done it pretty much um fabulous uh yeah thanks listeners for coming along with us on this one uh it is always appreciated um we're really thrilled that we have a fan base at all it's kind of amazing um mm-hmm. if you want to keep up with us on the internet we're on twitter at giunitpod we are on the internet proper at uh generalintellectunit.net we're on facebook uh i don't know for anywhere else yeah that's probably it um, uh, well, there's the the Discord. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So you can you can um, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/GeneralIntellectUnit and give us a couple of bucks a month, and at the five dollar level, you will get access to our community Discord, um, where we have good chats and read cool things. Um, and as uh, I mentioned earlier, I have been uh, guesting on from Alpha to Omega. Uh, so those would come out in the, the sort of most recent uh, episodes in that uh, very, very, very long <laughs> series. It's so fucking on slow. revolutionary <laughs> strategy. It is astonishing to me that, like, I think the, mo- the as of recording, the most recent epi- episode or two of that is, like, basically two paragraphs per episode. And I'm like... God damn it, guys! Come uh, on. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we re- we really got into it in the last uh, last recording session there, and uh, you know, oh, it fuck. it was like I think we covered like five pages. Like it's it's 
it is glacial the, the 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 rate at which we're going through that book but every episode is a good discussion as well because it just touches on so many things right so it's it's a very long series for just one book but um uh really interesting discussions there um i can't i'm not on every episode i'm not on the first section of episodes i came in like in the late tail end of the of the series but uh if you want to if you want to hear me talk a little bit more about like the hardcore marxology like the the really really just you know the stuff we don't cover on this show because it's it's a little bit too obscure a little bit too inside baseball um, then you can you can hear that there um, for sure. Yeah, it's a wonderful series, and um, I think like it's it's a it's 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 the sort of great thing about the Emancipation Project is like taking these this collection of like Marxist intellectuals and just putting them in a pressure cooker together for a couple of hours uh, every week, and just you get absolutely wonderful stuff falling out of it. Um, I have a feeling that by the time this epi- our episode here is released, one at least one of your recordings with from Alpha to Omega will have come out. At least, I kind mm. of hope. I think yeah, so. I think so. So that's how the timing will work out there. Well, I don't know. And uh, the the book, uh, the book uh, Revolutionary Strategy by Mike McNair is, um, you can get his PDF online. Uh, just search for it. You'll find it. Um, not actually a huge read. No, um, extremely readable. Just a, just a huge listen. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, that's, that's, that's a fun book in that, like, it... Um, is it, it had some really really great material in it, but then there's these kind of weird sections where he's talking about how the kind of McSweeneyite wing of the fucking Birmingham People's Front <laughs> oh, split no. and became a trot set and became the People's Front of Birmingham or whatever. And it's just like, oh, it's it's just inside the minutia of like British communists, like not even just communists in general, but just Brits. Um, kind of uh, kind of hard to hard to hard to get through but um in some places but overall it's wonderful it, it, that stuff is usually accompanied by a lot of sick burns so mm. oh you know, yeah it, it kinda, it's, it's it's like reading capital right the the vitriol helps it go down um yeah um, um speaking of all that uh you can go to emancipation.network on the internet and check out our sister shows from alpha to omega and Swampside chats they're great. They're really fucking good. Um, wonderful yes. shows. Um, recent, uh, recent Swampside episode on uh, Mike Davis. Uh, really good. Would recommend that. That's that's out. the ones titled "Old Gods, New Enigmas," parts one and two. Yep, that's right. Really good stuff. That's yeah. right. We probably by the time this comes out, we'll have had a collaboration episode with Swampside be released anyway. So that already happened in the past. It's in the mm-hmm. future for us now. But anyway. Um, we're going to do more of that in the future (laughs) but yeah thanks again for coming along and um, we'll catch you again in a couple weeks bye bye bye